0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, delighted to be joined by Bob Harper, the co-founder at More. Bob, you're welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. No worries, mate. Um, I'd like to spend the first couple of minutes so the audience get to know who Bob is, and then we'll move on. So your LinkedIn tells me that you went to secondary school in Reading. I'm going to make the assumption that you grew up there. What was life like growing up in Reading? Any favourite stand-up memories?
1: Oh, wow. What was life like growing up in Reading? Yeah, life was good growing up in Reading. I'm a fairly social individual and played football and um and drank a lot after football really so that was like growing up at at Reading quite quite an immature person at, at the age you know when I sort of started work um and and didn't really mature until I met my wife and then even then I think she'd probably argue that I'm not massively mature so yeah growing up in Reading was fun that was my that was my number one priority having a
0: laugh Football and drink. Sounds like you grew up in Ireland
1: at the same time. <laughs> I, I, I play football with a lot of Irish fellas. So nice. I, adopt, I adopted a lot of their traditions.
0: Slick. Um, impact and influence is a question I like to ask. People can usually point to a small handful of people that had a positive impact on them in their early years that helped shape the person they become today. Teachers, close friends, relatives, parents. Does anyone spring to mind for you?
1: yeah exactly when you say that so yeah a couple of teachers one um one in my primary school actually the last one who um really got me to switch on a little bit which you know i couldn't just a little bit of a tear away um and then in my secondary in my secondary school I, my economics teacher really i really really that was the first um although i'm an accountant and i've you know d- done exams but that was the first time someone was able to click in the ac- academic side with me. So I really got into economics. And mm. uh yeah, so that that teacher. And then um yeah just I, I mean my stepfather, my father, I, I you know they're very they're very different. Um mm. unfortunately my stepfather's no longer with us. But it was a big influence on me. I didn't realize it at the time, but uh I, I, I do now. Um so yeah there's a couple of people that that spring to mind.
0: Nice. If, if you're still interested in keeping up to date on world economics, David McWilliams has a great podcast. Definitely worth listening to. He's probably one of the top economists in the world. In fact, he is. He's been voted one of the top economists in the world. And I know a lot of my uh, UK friends listen to his podcast. Just type in David McWilliams and you'll find it. Um, I would like to rewind the clock a couple, not a couple of years, more than a couple of years, a couple of decades, uh, to your earlier years where you spent some time working at PwC, and also uh, Kirkpatrick and Hopes. The question here is, um, no one's the finished product, and there's plenty of errors you'll make and mistakes you'll make to improve and become a better version of yourself. So I'm bringing you back in time because you're a better version of you now than you were then in terms of all the mistakes you've learned and overcome. So what are one or two skills that you feel like working in the corporate world, I specifically picked PwC and Kirkpatrick's then your LinkedIn helped you improve on so if i phrase the question again is one or two skills that you weren't so great at in your early days but from working at these corporate companies you improved that but they actually helped you for when you went out on your own in business and founded a company there's good
1: questions and good research i um yeah you know you know me well um so yeah pwc was before Patrick and Oatsler. So let me let me start there, and it's sort of linked to something I mentioned earlier ago with it being with me being quite immature. I was definitely too immature for that organization. Having said that, I got on really well with all of the admin and support team, and I got on really well with the partners. It was sort of everyone in the middle, really. You know, I'm I'm not that I'm not the typical accountant, and that was a great experience for me. That was a world class company, and there's some great people I met there. And, and most of the people if not all of the people I met have gone on to do some really great things and built accountancy firms and sold them uh, it's just a little bit too traditional a little bit too corporate for me um, so that's why I ended up being in uh, leaving and in fact between PW and uh, PwC and Patrick and Hopes I set up my own accountancy practice um, which really started from from home and that's when I met my wife and it got a bit more serious and I ended up sort of in a high street shop location where you could walk in and get your tax return done and that's really when I started to become a non this journey I suppose of being from a technician to an entrepreneur which I'm still on there's no way i'm a technical accountant no way am i a finished entrepreneur i am in, mean, you know i'm on that journey somewhere so i i rolled my um my, my accountancy practice that i built up to about 300 clients i rolled it into kirkpatrick and hopes i became their part-time marketing director and the reason it was part-time is i wanted to build some software with a business partner so that was the on that was the first real entrepreneurial thing that i did um and in terms of um Skills, I, you know, I, I certainly didn't have when I was at PwC, uh, any sort of sales, marketing strategy. I was real, you know, I was doing expatriate taxation at P- PwC, for a real real technical sort of role. Um, and then, you know, I started to learn a lot at, at Kirkpatrick and Hopes. Uh, I joined, or Kirkpatrick and Hopes joined an organisation called AVN. And I should have mentioned, actually, one of the key influences on me was Steve Pipe um, and Mark Wickersham that set up AVN. And AVN stands for the Added Value Network. So there, that's why I started to add value to my knowledge with knowledge outside of accountancy in strategy, sales, marketing, pricing, all those sort of things. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a, a pivotal moment, really, from, from technician into my own business. I had that entrepreneurial seizure. I was a technician that set up a, a business, and then I started to learn a little bit more about business.
0: You've got a good talent for speaking, Bob. Not many people uh, have... The ability to come on a podcast and speak as well. Um, so I hope that they, they, they Hope this is not your like last one. Um, I, I appreciate that. I, I've just had a lot of practice. <laughs> well, it's paid off. And um, rather than me tell the audience what more is, you're the co founder of it, right? you'll do a much better job. So the mic is yours,
1: more. Um, Yes. So the software that that I um, the idea that I had for this software is when I when I was running my accountancy practice and I would say to clients, and this is back before the internet really and and um, you know really early emails and and uh, no webs. Well, there were maybe a few websites, but I used to say to clients, use this piece of software and I used to give it to them for free, it's bookkeeping software. It'll save you time, protect you from the tax man, and I can do more for you than just churn out your accounts and tax return. Now that software is actually something I got from Australia. Um, I was lucky enough to bump into the guy that had the distribution rights in the UK. Mm. And I, I, it, it had some Australianness ness in it, which I wanted to get out and had a few ideas. So uh, I, that, that's where that, that, that software came. And it was originally called um, Kiss Books, Keep It Simple Bookkeeping. And when it was ready to be sold to other accountants, I, I went to a branding agency and um, sort of said, Look, I need a brochure and explained what it all was. And I said, well, let me get my sort of account manager in. And I, he said, tell me about it then. And I told him everything that I had inside me. And he said, you, the, the brand's wrong. Everything you've just told me is nothing to do about keep, si- keep it simple bookkeeping what you want to do is do more for your clients than the standard stuff. So that's where the name more came from. So it's really connected to my, in, you know, what I call my core person, or you know, um, uh, start with why, you know, what, what is it that you're about, how I make meaning. I just want to do more for people than accounts and tax returns. That's why I find traditional accounting so frustrating. So yeah, more is a, it's a direction. Uh, it was a piece of software, but now it's a brand name. And under that, we've got different products.
0: You, you've got a few different products. And I'll leave links to both your LinkedIn account and the website of more where people can learn about all the all the offerings you've got. Uh, I'll mention a couple more times before the end of the podcast. A topic I'd like to go into is meetings because I hate most meetings that I'm involved in. They overrun, they go off topic. Um, but there's a couple of stats I want to shout at you before we go into that topic. It is this is all from your website or your LinkedIn account. 42 billion uh, pounds of time, energy and money is wasted in the UK every year with unproductive meetings. And not just that there are eight meeting mistakes, which cost 441 billion pounds every year. Those eight meeting mistakes, no agreed agenda participants aren't prepared. Meetings start late and overrun discussions veered off topic. Some participants don't contribute. A few attendees dominate the conversation. No decisions are made and lack of follow-up on agreed actions. So my thing here is you've got something called the ultimate meeting agenda. I will let you decide how much or what you want to talk about, but please tell us what that is.
1: Well, I've got a couple of ultimate meetings agendas. So I've just been working on an ultimate year-end agenda for accountants to have with a small business. So that's one that I've genuinely created myself. Having said that, pretty much everything I do I don't create anything or innovate. I beg, borrow, and steal, and always give credit if I remember. Right? So, yeah. um, the but I think the ultimate agenda you're you're referring to there is um, is basically not my agenda. It's from a book called Traction by Gino Wickman, and it's called the Level Ten Meeting. I think that's the one. If it's because I've I've written an article on LinkedIn about it, so I think that's the one that you're you're referring to. So it would that be agenda, helping.
0: It would be helping a Cornwall business. Was the article I'm referring to? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: basically, a, a restaurateur um, was referred to me, and he's uh, got a couple of restaurants and had a couple of drivers behind that. That ref- wanted to make more profit, not just for profit's sake, but he wanted a business that could work without him. He wanted a self self managing business. And the book that he waved at me was traction and a key part, there's, and there's lots of really great things inside traction, but a key um, element of it is the level 10 meeting. So that level 10 is called level 10 because you score it and everyone should score a meeting 10 and there's a structured process to have that meeting. And, and, and what Pete asked me to do, the restaurateur, was to help him implement traction in his business. I'd never done it before. Uh, hands up. I said, I, you know, I've never done it before, but I read the book over Christmas and there's a lot of stuff I already knew in there. And I'm sure a lot of other people that read that book are, "Oh, all right. Yeah, I know a lot of it. There was a few things that I didn't know and it, a few a few gaps were filled in my knowledge. And I sort of just said, Look, I, you know, I'm not going to charge you full whack, Pete. So I discounted my 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 rates by about a third um, and said, let's, let's give it a go. and And, uh, and that's what we did. And it, it took his business from the worst performing year in 17 years, which is what drove him to this decision to, to get some help, to the best. And I've actually gone back into that business. That was a couple of years ago. I've gone back in this year because he's he's just opened his third restaurant and, and got desire to drive the business wow. forward. And I'm doing some more work. Uh, he's abandoned the uh, abandoned traction, but he's using lots of elements from from traction.
0: What I'll do is I'll leave a link to that article that you posted on LinkedIn talking about the business. And I think in that article, or I know in that article, that it does give a summary of what the uh, ultimate meeting agenda is. But one of the topics I wanted to bring on today to talk about was blind spots. So I can see that um, you are currently, and if you see my eyes going to the right, it's a reading from the screen, a strategy execution coach at Goldriver, but you've also been a sales mentor at Google Launchpad. So when I say blind spots, for the audience, blind spots are things that can hold back an otherwise healthy business. Um, things such as not having a process for hiring, not creating a culture of accountability, not focusing on lead generation, not building the bench so that if a key hire or if a key person in the business leaves, you don't have someone to fill that position with. That's a blind spot that could hold back an otherwise healthy business. So now that everyone understands roughly what a blind spot is, um we were talking before and you mentioned two blind spots that you wanted to touch on. So One of them was people strategy and the other one was metrics. Which one would you like to start with? And whichever one that is, let's talk about why you believe it's a blind spot that holds businesses back.
1: Let's start with people because I think the metric comes, comes second. Yeah. When you say about blind spots and I, it's like, if you ask me what mine are, I should say, well, I don't know because they're blind spots. So it's like, it's um you've got that four levels haven't you starting with unconsciously incompetent and then you're consciously incompetent and then you're uh consciously competent and then unconsciously competent so as you go through it you just become you know like driving you don't know until you sit there and try to drive a car whether you whether you can or not you might not yeah. even be aware of cars when at, right at the beginning but you know people may not be aware like we're talking about meetings of how crap their meetings are until you've sat in a world-class meeting and experience what that is like you have got no idea and most meetings are run by people that aren't very good. So when you go and do your meetings, you might think you're good, but only comparing it to the person that that you've modeled or, or been, you know, had the experience of them running a meeting where you're a participant. But yeah, um, so w- w- again, I think this comes from from traction. Um, but also the E-Myth, which is another great book by, by, by Michael Gerber, it's a people strategy and. I think, I think the roles and responsibilities is so absolutely key in a business, and being able to, de- you know, to name a role, and to define the result that that role needs to deliver to a business. And I, I would say a lot of people have got job descriptions. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sales or I'm head of marketing yep. or head of ops. So you might have the name, but what specific result is that role? has to deliver to this business i reckon a lot of
0: them things are just copy and pasted from other organizations and they're just lazy
1: yeah yeah like lazy lazy people strategy so just having a conversation of of result statements and that is from the e-myth i said to you i'd beg bar and steal and i give credit where i remember so that's a position agreement if there was one thing a business could do you know one thing i would say the first thing to do before looking at strategy pricing business models and all the clever stuff is just like just go through your people and and get position agreements in place, not contracts of employment, job descriptions, position agreements. What's the result that your role needs to deliver to this business? And then, then you can start looking at metrics. What are the activities and how effective does those activities need to be to deliver the result?
0: And when it comes to metrics, one of the things you said before we started talking that made me almost laugh was people set themselves up to fail by abusing metrics. What did you mean by that? Um, Metrics
1: are there. I think a lot of people use metrics to, you know, KPIs, to manage, not manage, to sort of box people in, you know, it's how many phone calls you made today. You know, how how many of those calls were a conversation? How many conversations went to a meeting? They're they're classic sales metrics. But uh, the, the danger is that people then think that their job is to get good metrics and they lose sight of the fact that what they're there to do is actually get the result so metrics are there for learning metrics are there to help people achieve their results that statement don't manage you know don't reward people on metrics let people choose their own metrics don't impose metrics say this is the result you've got to get a hundred thousand pounds worth of sales this year that's what's expected at this role at the level that you've come in on the pay that you're in you know, what metrics can we be measuring to help you stay on track to learn? Because it could be that you're phoning the wrong people, you're saying the wrong thing, you know, going in too quickly, I don't need to tell you about sales, but you know, it's, it's misuse of metrics and you end up, like if you're a bus company and you've got to get the bus back to the depot on time, right, the bus driver can do that by not stopping at any of the stops and letting people on and off.
0: You're right. They, they can, uh, and there's plenty of tools out there to help uh, not just salespeople, but p- people in general in employment to improve. So you take, if someone is prospecting and they're on the phone, you can use tools like gong.io to yep. hire a coach or work with your sales manager to, to look at, like, how can you improve your calls? Or you can use Lavender, which is another great tool for emails to improve your emails and look at how it looks on mobile and it will suggest edits and rate your email and you improve over time naturally as you do these things. But also, metrics in terms of the job description. Like, my friend was going for a job a couple of months ago and he put it in front of me and he said, uh, This is my uh, quarterly target I have to hit. What do you think of this? And I said, Could you ask them, has anyone ever hit it before? And has everyone ever hit it not just in a one, like a one magic large deal? Like, is it is it attainable? And he went back in and like one person had hit it once in a massive large deal, but no one else had hit it. And I was like, Yeah. Well, how are you expected to ever hit that if that's not attainable? So yeah, you're,
1: you're you're bang on. So that's not not just metrics. That's then the targets for metrics or the targets for results. It's making sure that people win. Um, you know, there's there's nothing that's been studied more than goal psychology, and we we know the neuroscience how it works, and um, the danger with goals and, and one of the sort of goals concepts is stretch goals. And that can work with certain people, but with most people, it won't, it'll backfire. People like to win. So set the be, be very careful what metrics you choose um, and, and choose the metrics with the person, not for them. And then be very careful on what targets you set, because if they come in on Monday and they lose... The, you know they're going to be demotivated and they're they're they're, gra- they're 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 grafting rather than being inspired and coming and coming in and and giving their best in a in a positive state
0: yeah and you you mentioned goals there, and I can probably predict that as soon as Halloween is over, so the end of this week, the topic of goal setting will appear a lot more online as we go through the new year and one of the places I feel that people fall down on goal setting is they 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 pick a goal but they don't pick pick a plan of like exactly how they're actually going to achieve that goal
1: yeah 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 you need to de- deconstruct the goal in, you know into activity and effectiveness um you know how, how much do i need to do and how well do i need to do it and what resources do i need you know time energy money yeah. and then you know time needs to be booked booked in the diary budgets need to be agreed financially and you know skills need to be assessed and they're measured and and constantly reviewed to make sure you're on track and if you if you do that deconstruct that goal well and and you and you, you plan it out you hit the time you hit the money and you hit the skill then there's a reasonable chance you know the theory is that you're hit, and it is a theory no more than a theory mm. but you know everyone needs a theory to work on otherwise you're just working in in, in a you in know in isolation Absolutely. You should hit, you hit, yeah hit, you should hit the
0: goal yeah yeah, a couple, a couple more questions for you, Bob. When it, when when you look at over like the next twelve to eighteen months in terms of like business generating new business, it doesn't have to be net new accounts. Your answer, your question could be my whole goal for the next twelve months is to upsell within current accounts because I know there's money there. But when you look at your growth plans for the next twelve to eighteen months, how do you plan to? grow revenue some people have answered through partnerships others have said acquisitions some people have said upselling like i just referenced to you may perhaps have big lofty targets of prospecting into new accounts or opening into a new market give me a brief overview of what your growth strategy is for the next 12 to 18 months it's really focused
1: i i i have 350 out of nearly 35 accountants that i want to talk to and, and I've got to those three hundred and fifty by by doing research as to the type of behaviours that firms are displaying. whether that be social media, networks they're a member of, other software that they're using, like zero, how yeah. well that you know how, how much they're, they're using it, the size of the practice. So I've got three hundred very, very very focused on who I want to engage, and the, 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 those I believe are the you know the early adopters. Um, subject to getting engagement, um, then it's case studies and success stories uh, that, that will then be circulated. And there's various networks in the, in the, um, in the accounting world and key influencers. So my, my strategy is to, uh, step one, get a few of the firms that you know, are fairly well-known and, and indicate uh, to the rest of the market this is the right thing to do, get my brand aligned with them, and then get those success stories, and then take those success stories to the network partners and key influencers.
0: I like it. Two more questions for you, Bob. Have you got a personal definition of what success means to you?
1: Healthy physically, healthy mentally, and healthy financially.
0: Nice answer. Final question for you. If you were to add a secondary school if you are a subject to the second mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum what would it be and why and before you answer that i've asked over 150 guests just this year alone what would they put on the curriculum and i put up a poll on linkedin five hours ago 505 people have completed it so far and you can see in your screen there that the most common three answers that's not focusing for you the most common three answers are coding managing finances and setting up a business so i don't know if your answer fits into any of those three but what would you add if you could add a mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum?
1: Yeah, how to think.
0: Okay. So, one of the things,
1: one of the things I, when I was learning, I learned a, a number of things from a number of different people, but when I started to learn sales, I was asking the sales guy, that was doing the training, so many questions, right? He said, Bob, I've had enough. Just go and study. Go and look up NLP, Richard Bandler. Go, go and check it out. Some of your answers have been there. And so I, my motivation was to, was to really to learn how to persuade and influence people. And so I, I went along and, and, and picked up what I could from there. But what I learned about NLP was it's a toolkit, really, for thinking. And I think a lot of kids get influenced by their teachers sometimes in a really positive way as i alluded to right at the beginning but a lot of teachers do a lot of damage and they do it unknowingly you know you're never going to you know ryan you're never going to amount to anything bob you're a of a, you're a nightmare you're a terror away you're never going to you'll never do this and that 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 can stick and cause problems for many 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 years so if you look if you know how to think you can take control of your own brain your own Uh, software and and you can sort of program yourself so I think I think that would be a great a great thing for kids to know
0: how their brain works Bob we'll leave links to everything we mentioned today on the podcast but for the last 30 minutes great pleasure getting to know you and I wish you continued success thanks for being my guest today thank you